Hello, and welcome back to the History of Ancient Greece, Episode 63, The Lord of the Sea. Poseidon was a son of Kronos and Rhea, and brother of Zeus and Hades. According to the myth, the three brothers had the same rights concerning the division of the world, and in order to get their portion, they drew lots. Zeus ruled the sky, Hades got the underworld, and Poseidon became the ruler of the sea. The earth was not included in the lots, so that all three gods enjoyed it together. A Roman air mosaic on the floor of a banquet hall, dating to the 1st century AD at Zeugma in modern-day Turkey, shows the three primary attributes associated with Poseidon's iconographic tradition. First, there are fish all around him, representing his role as the god of the sea. In particular, the dolphin was sacred to him. Secondly, in his hand he is holding a trident, which is a three-pronged fishing spear. While the trident has usually been explained as a fishing harpoon, scholars have speculated about its possible origin as a thunder weapon, given his connection with storms at sea, or as an Indo-European symbol of kingship. Thirdly, he is riding on top of the waves by a chariot pulled by horses. These creatures are constantly connected to Poseidon, which he himself created as a gift to the inhabitants of Thessaly. Remember, the centaurs came from this region as well. For this reason, he was revered by charioteers and was often worshipped in festivals that included chariot racing. Because of his relationship with horses, he received the epithet Hippios. He also is associated with a bull in several of his myths. These two wild animals, the horse and the bull, reveal his violent and impetuous qualities, mainly during the early stage of his cult, before his dominance over the seas was firmly established. Furthermore, Horses are known for their thundering hooves that pound the ground, just like the sea pounds the shore. When he does not stir up the sea with his trident, he strikes the rocks either to well up water or to cause earthquakes. And so Poseidon is also known as the god of earthquakes. In fact, many earthquakes actually begin in the sea. Waterfalls and anything else that pounds the earth are naturally the interest of Poseidon too. As we mentioned in episodes 61 and 62, Poseidon is often partnered with Demeter, a clue to his probable origin as a deity of fresh water. On Linear B tablets, the name of Poseidon can be found as Poseideo or Poseidewane, and in Homeric Greek, he is Poseidion and Potidion in the Doric dialect. One etymological theory recognizes Poseidon's name as a compound from posis, meaning man or husband, and da, which is Doric Greek for ga, or the earth. In other words, he was the lord or spouse of the earth. This connection then recognizes his name as the masculine version of the feminine word patnia, or mistress. Initially, then, he must have been a Chthonic god, as his name denotes. Another version shares the same etymology to the word dewan, or water, making posidewan to mean the master of the waters. On both occasions, though, he is the god of the waters fertilizing the earth. He was the god of the water of every fountain, river, lake, and so forth, and was worshipped as Phytamios, or the god of vegetation and the growth of plants. As we have mentioned, it is believed that the Proto-Greeks originally migrated from the northern regions of Europe and western Asia, and Poseidon may have been for them a god who brought water to the crops and the streams. In other words, he is not so much the god of the sea at that point, as he was the god of the fluid element, or the fertilizing moisture. By the time the first Greeks had settled in Greece, which is surrounded by the sea on almost every side, they thought of him mainly as a sea god and the holder of earth, because the sea surrounds the earth, but who still retained ultimate control over all water in all its forms. He would eventually assume power over the sea, and in the Iliad, he appears as its only master. 
If surviving Linear B clay tablets can be trusted, the name Poseidon occurs more frequently than does any of the names for Zeus or any other deity. Also, frequently found alongside Poseidon is the title Wanaka, or Wanox, meaning king. A common epithet of Poseidon is Enosikton, or Earthshaker, and later variants of it are Enositis and Enosigeus. On Linear B tablets from Knossos and Pylos, we see Enosidane. While this is not at all conclusive, because we only have a limited amount of tablets that date to the end of the Bronze Age, but it does seem that Poseidon might have had a much larger role, or at least was equal to Zeus, in the mindset of the Bronze Age Greeks, or at the very least to the inhabitants of both Knossos and Pylos. For the former, the city was destroyed by earthquakes several times, and no doubt they probably wished to supplicate the god of earthquakes more so than any other god, so that it wouldn't happen again. And for the latter, we see in the Odyssey of Homer, when Telemachus visits Nestor at Pylos, that they are worshipping Poseidon through sacrifices of bulls and a feast, so he simply could have been the patron of that city. Furthermore, in myth, Nestor's father, Neleus of Aeolchus, was a son of Poseidon and the founder of Pylos. Regardless, whether Poseidon or Zeus was the supreme deity early on, by the time of Homer and Hesiod, Zeus, as the sky god, became supreme over the Olympians, while Poseidon took a more secondary role and came to dominate the seas. There are numerous other sea divinities found throughout Greek myth, even much older ones, but Poseidon was considered the chief god of all of the waters. He supplanted and replaced Oceanus and Tethys. Nereus was the eldest son of Pontus, or the sea, and Gaia, or Mother Earth. He had 50 daughters, called the Nereids. The Ids ending in Greek means the daughters of. One of them was Amphitrite, who Poseidon took a liking to. Poseidon was not very subtle, though, just as the sea is violent, and she refused his advances. When she was swimming by the island of Naxos, he then sexually assaulted her. Scared, Amphitrite swam away into the deep blue sea. Poseidon couldn't find her, so he called upon all of the dolphins and sent them out to search for her, and to tell her that if she marries him, he promises to be less violent. They found her hiding in the Atlantic Ocean, and led her back into the Mediterranean. She married him and became the queen of the sea. The two of them produced a son named Triton, who became the king of the mermaids and mermen. He made his home on the Libyan shores, where he loved to sit on the seashore and blow his conch shell for a horn. In this way, he also acted as a sort of trumpeteer for his father's arrival. Poseidon owned two palaces. One was located on the top of Mount Olympus and was magnificently created by Hephaestus so that he could be close to the rest of the Olympian gods. The other, though, a golden one, was in the depths of the Aegean Sea, where he lived with his wife Amphitrite. In the Iliad, the god takes three steps from Mount Olympus, which causes the mountains to shake, and he arrives at a sea palace. He harnesses his two horses, mounts his golden chariot, and leads them over the waves so that his wheel axles stay dry. Full of joy, the waters recede while the sea creatures and monsters stare up to recognize their master. Many times when traveling on his chariot, Poseidon was accompanied by his beloved wife Amphitrite. Poseidon was also a god around whom many Greeks shaped their ethnic identities. For the Thessalians, the Boeotians, the people of Troezen, and many others, he was an ancestor. Because like his brother Zeus, Poseidon also had many affairs with both goddesses and mortal women, which resulted in him siring a large number of heroes. According to some variants of the myths, he was the father of either Aegeus or Theseus, as well as Bellerophon. At one point, he fell in love with a mortal woman named Clyto, 
who lived on an isolated island in an unspecified location. He created a dwelling place for her at the top of a hill, near the middle of the island, and surrounded it with rings of water and land to protect her. Her son, Atlas, became the first ruler of the island, later to be called Atlantis. In addition, Poseidon spawned many monstrous children who either took the form of a horse or lived in or near the sea. Typically, these creatures were the result of a violent assault by Poseidon on some innocent girl and were themselves indomitable or savage. As we mentioned in episode 61, Poseidon even once pursued his sister Demeter. When she turned herself into a horse to try and escape him, he turned himself into a horse too, and while since he was the god of horses, he was able to catch up to her. Poseidon mounted her, as horses do, and in due time, this union produced a child named Arion. Because his parents were horses at his time of conception, he himself was a horse, though he was capable of human speech. Poseidon also forced himself on Athena's priestess, Medusa, on the floor of one of her temples. As a result, Medusa was changed into a gorgon by Athena. When she was beheaded by Perseus, two creatures emerged from her neck that were considered the children from her union with Poseidon. Pegasus, the winged horse that Bellerophon eventually captured, as well as Chryseor, a golden giant who brandished a sword from birth and who would become the king of Iberia, and who himself would sire the three-bodied Gerion. Poseidon also produced two fierce sons whom Heracles would later kill in wrestling bouts, Antaeus the giant with Gaia and Eryx with Aphrodite. Also with Gaia, Poseidon sired a daughter, the whirlpool Charybdis, who sucked all of the water down in the Straits of Messana and then spit it back up. With the nymph Thusa, he sired Polyphemus, the ill-mannered one-eyed giant who took his temper from his father. Odysseus would encounter both of these creatures during his wanderings. Amphesius met and destroyed three of Poseidon's inhospitable sons, Procrustes, Cercyon, and Scyron, on his way from Troezen to Athens. His son Titius attempted to rape Leto and was slain by her son Apollo. He also had many other violent children who are minor characters in the various myths. Clearly, though, the Greeks endowed Poseidon with the violent and unpredictable nature of the sea itself. In fact, one can mark this surely nature of Poseidon in all of his myths and in artistic depictions. In the Gigantomachy, the sea god pursued one certain giant, Polybotus, as far as the Aegean Sea and the island of Kos. There, Poseidon tore off a huge piece of the island and threw it on top of the giant himself, crushing him. The rock, which stands today at the tip of Jos, from then on became separately named Nisaros. At another time, when the mother of Andromeda boasted that her daughter was more beautiful than all of the Nereids, Poseidon punished her by sending a terrible sea monster, named Ketis, to ravish the land. The people were told by an oracle that they had to sacrifice Andromeda to the sea monster in order to remove the danger from themselves. It was during this incident, when she was strapped to a large rock waiting for the sea monster to devour her, that Perseus showed up and used Medusa's head to turn the monster to stone thereby rescuing the maiden Andromeda and marrying her. Poseidon's rage was even directed at the city of Troy. The story goes that he had participated in a conspiracy concocted by Hera and along with Apollo to put Zeus in chains. Once defeated in this revolt, Poseidon and Apollo are stripped of their divine authority and forced to work as a common laborer for a length of time. They took the form of mortals and offered to help Laomedon, the second king of Troy, build his walls for wages. So Laomedon hired them, and they began to build the famous walls of Troy. They built it miraculously, and so quickly, since they were gods. 
Then, for some unknown reason, Laomedon refused to pay their wages. So Apollo sent them a plague, and Poseidon sent forth a monster from the sea to attack the city. Laomedon consulted an oracle, which said that he would avert these things if he sacrificed his daughter, Hesione, so he tied her to a rock, similar to, it, similar to Andromeda. Right when the monster was going to devour her, though, Perseus's grandson, Heracles, passed by and killed it. This event is recorded on a famous face, which has made quite a stir in recent years when one scholar noticed the sea monster depicted there in skeletal form in fact has the exact skull of a creature of the Miocene period, known only through the fossil records, at least 5 million years old. The creature is known to us as the Samotherium. Such a discovery has led to a greater interest on the part of scholars as to what the ancients knew of fossils and dinosaurs. As a result, more and more scholars believe that many of these myths concerning Greek monsters were actually based on the ancients finding large dinosaur fossils and having to concoct stories in order to explain them somehow. Poseidon's fierce aspect is described in great detail in the Odyssey. From the top of the mountain, the god watches Odysseus on his raft in the middle of the sea. He is the only god who persecutes the hero because he blinded his aforementioned son Polyphemus. Bearing this in mind, Filled with wrath, he grasps his trident, stirs the sea, and with a huge wave, smashes the raft of the king of Ithaca. Poseidon also had a bad fate in store for many other Greeks returning home after the conquest of Troy. Although he was on the side of the Greeks during the Trojan War, due to the anger he harbored for the Trojans, aforementioned refusal to pay him for building their walls, he also did not tolerate the fact that the victors destroyed Troy and assaulted its population. Therefore, he punished them, causing them to struggle and drown in the rough seas. In the realm of history, Herodotus says that the Greeks credited Poseidon with aiding them in the Persian War by sending storms to attack the Persian fleet off of Artemisium. For the ancient Greeks, Poseidon personified the two sides of the sea, the calm one and the rough one. Being the unique master of the sea, Poseidon was worshipped with many cult epithets that had marine functions, such as Analius. Thalassios, Pelagios, or seagoing, Pontios, or of the sea, Epocteos, or of the coast, Vithios, Namadon, Isthmios, and Porthmios. At the same time, though, from his earliest aspect, he maintained the attributes of a Chthonic deity throughout antiquity, and thus he is credited with a series of geological phenomena. This is why he's described with epithets Gyanokos, or embracer of earth and Enosigeos and Sisikthon, both meaning the earth shaker, as well as Asphalios, or steadfast, and Thamelios, since being the one causing earthquakes, he is also able to stop them if he likes. This control over the forces in the earth only occasionally spilled over into agricultural or Chthonic underworld functions, as at Teneron, on the southern coast of the Peloponnese, where Poseidon hosted an oracle of the dead. The Homeric hymn to Poseidon begins like this, quote, I begin to sing about Poseidon, the great god, mover of the earth and fruitless sea, god of the deep, who's also lord of Helicon and wide a guy, O shaker of the earth, to be a tamer of horses and savior of ships, hail Poseidon, holder of the earth, dark-haired lord, O blessed one, be kindly in heart and help those who voyage in ships, end quote. Temples of Poseidon were often built on cliffs, and sailors would say a prayer to Poseidon similar to his Homeric hymn as they sailed by. As the master and ruler of the aquatic world and all the waters on the earth, thanks to his relevant attributes, Poseidon was worshipped at sanctuaries which were located either on promontories, on islands, or at areas close to the coast.
At Gerestas, the only safe harbor along the coast of Euboea, and a major port for ships traveling to or from the eastern Aegean. The origin of the festival called Garastia was traced to a particularly destructive storm, probably the one in which Poseidon drowned the impious Locrian Ajax, who raped Cassandra upon the altar of Athena at Troy. In the Odyssey, Gerastas was the first safe port of call for ships returning home from the Trojan War, and Nestor, Diomedes, and Menelaus sacrificed bulls there to Poseidon for their safe journey. Various cultic and personal names related to Gerastas, a pre-Greek word of uncertain etymology, are scattered about the Aegean. Recent discovery of the remains of the sanctuary at Porto Castri included a Hellenistic inscription mentioning an asylon, or safe area. This has led some scholars to point out that there seems to be a relationship between Teneron, Gerastos, and Calaria, which were three coastal yet remote sanctuaries that functioned as retreats for suppliants and fugitives. Poseidon's sanctuary on Calaria, a small island off Troezen, with one of the best harbors in Greece, lies high above sea level. This place was another well-known refugee site, and its function as an asylum resulted from its role as the center of an early Amphictani, as a league of seven communities in the area. The island's former name, Ereni, or Peace, probably had to do with the Amphictani as well. Scholars disagree on the purpose and date of the league, but the archaeological remains indicate that the sanctuary was founded by the 7th century BC at the latest, and acquired a Doric temple in the 6th century BC. Little is known of the ritual there, but Pausanias says that Poseidon had a virgin priestess, an unusual arrangement for a male deity. In spite of his early importance, as we mentioned, Poseidon rapidly lost ground in archaic Mycenae with the rise of the Dorian Spartans. Whereas worship of the god known as Pohodane, a Laconian form of the Arcadian Poseidane, continued at Hellas and Thoria. In historical times, virtually nothing remained of his cult at Pylos, while the important sanctuary at Teneron was controlled by the Spartans. Located at the southern tip of the Mani Peninsula, Teneron was sacred to the Helots, the occupants of Mycenae enslaved by Sparta in the 8th and 7th centuries BC, and dates to before the time of the Mycenaean Wars. Escaped slaves and fugitive Helots fled to the sanctuary, where by religious custom they were safe from pursuers. Various later sources speak of the festival known as the Teneria, which included a three-day feast held on the seashore, and most likely the crowning of Poseidon's cult statue by the Helots. Always a wrathful god, he was particularly angry when the ritual laws protecting suppliants were violated. One example long cited as an instance of his wrath was the earthquake that hit Sparta in 464 BC, nearly reducing the city to a pile of rubble. The god was said to be enraged the Spartans, who had dared to remove fugitive helots from Teneron and execute them. Though Teneron has not been excavated, finds of votive bulls and horses in bronze, as well as classical stelae, or stone markers, commemorating the release of slaves have been reported. Areas set aside for the display of such stelae and for the housing of fugitives are apparent at the site. Overlooking Sternus Bay is a Hellenistic temple, which may have been preceded by earlier structures, to judge from votives found in the area. The most famous feature of the site is the Cave Oracle of the Dead, which the sources describe as an underground house of the gods, into which souls were gathered. This type of oracle was useful in cases where the dead needed to be placated. Legend had it that the man who killed Archilochus was sent here by the Pythia in order to propitiate the soul of the poet with libations. The actual age of the cave oracle, located at the head of Sternus Bay, and fitted with a wall and doorway at the entrance, is unknown. 
when he visited it, Pausanias noted that the cave did not contain a great chasm or other identifiable entrance to the underworld. Onchestus in Boeotia was the site of a renowned sanctuary of Poseidon, often mentioned by early Greek poets. Pindar calls this Poseidon Sesicthon, or Earthshaker, and Hippodromius, or the patron of horse races, which was also the name of a Boeotian month probably connected with the god. Like many sanctuaries of Poseidon, this one did not possess a temple at first, though one was added in the 6th century BC. Poseidon is here celebrated in his role as the master of horses and chariot racing. These roles loom as large and important as cult, as does his marine aspect, and so it supports the idea that Poseidon originally had more to do with freshwater and horses than with the sea. In myth, Thessaly and Boeotia were the strongholds of the Minions, a legendary clan whose patron deity was Poseidon. Among their heroes were his twin sons Neleus, the founder of Pylos, and Peleus, the king of Iolcus. The descendants of Neleus also had ties to the cult of Poseidon in Athens and the Ionian migration. Little information is available about the Thessalian cult, but as in Boeotia, it seems to have focused on Poseidon's rule over horses. A Thessalian legend told how the god created the first horse, Scyphios, by smiting the rock with his trident. Poseidon's widespread cult title, Hippios, or of the horse, is connected with this story, as are the equestrian contests conducted for the god and the Thessalian sanctuary of Poseidon, Petraeus, or He of the Rock. The sanctuary is still undiscovered, but it lay somewhere in the valley of Tempe, once a lake drained by the god when he smote the mountains with his trident and made an outlet for the river Peneus. Scholars tend to compare Poseidon's mastery of all things equestrian with the rival powers of Athena. Although both are concerned with horses and their training, Athena's sphere was more focused on the driver's skill and strategy, while Poseidon governed the uncanny energy of the animal itself. An important center of Poseidon Hippias' cult was in landlocked Arcadia, where he, not Zeus, was considered the father of Demeter's daughter, the mistress of the underworld, as we discussed in episode 61. His sanctuaries were concentrated in the central plains and valleys, poorly drained areas subject to flooding. At Mantinea, Poseidon was a civic god and his trident adorned the shields of his citizens, while later inscriptions show that calendar years were reckoned by the names of his priests. Like Zeus Lachaeus, Poseidon Hippias had a restricted area in his sanctuary outside Mantinea, where no human being was permitted to enter. According to legend, only a woolen thread marked the boundary of the sacred area. When the hero Ipitus cut this thread, he was blinded by a miraculous wave of seawater. Arcadia was a great repository of traditions about the births of the gods and connections with horses. One such legend, tied to a spring in the territory of Mantinea, said that Rhea fooled the murderous Cronus by telling him that she had given birth to a horse and gave him a foal or baby horse to eat instead of the infant Poseidon, who was sheltered in a lamb's pen. In most regions of Greece, we encounter a belief in Poseidon as the creator of the first horse, or as the sire of miraculous steeds, such as the winged Pegasus, who was the offspring of Poseidon and Medusa. In Arcadia, the god himself becomes a horse, as in the Mantinean birth legend, and the myths attached to the city of Thelpusa. Here, Demeter Aranyes sought to escape the lustful Poseidon by transforming herself into a mare, but he became a stallion and made it with her. The offspring of this union were a goddess, whose name was kept secret, presumably the Arcadian equivalent of Kor, and the divine horse Arion. 
Our source for most of this information speaks of the sanctuary of Demeter outside Thelpusa, but does not elaborate on the cult of Poseidon here, except to say that he had a title of Hippias. Similarly, at a cave sanctuary outside Figalia in the Nada River Gorge, the cult myth recounted the coupling of Demeter and Poseidon in the shape of horses, specifying that their daughter was the goddess known as Desponia, or Mistress. Poseidon Hippias also had an altar at the important sanctuary of the Mistress at Lycosara. Here, Poseidon is hardly a god of the sea, and his cults are presumably the least changed from their Mycenaean antecedents, just as Arcadian Poseidon is the dialect form closest to Linear B. The few references found here to his marine nature are due to Panhellenizing influences during the Classical period and later. The Sanctuary of Poseidon at Isthmia is one of the earliest post-Mycenaean cult places so far identified in the Greek world, having been established at the beginning of the Proto-Geometric period, around 1050 BC. It therefore ranks in age with Olympia. Yet for centuries, the Sanctuary of Poseidon there had no temple. The main structures were a platform for dining created in the 8th century BC, and temporary shelters, of which only the post holes remain. The dominant activity seems to have been sacrifices followed by extensive feasting and drinking. Easily accessible by land and sea, the sanctuary was an important meeting place for the people living in the scattered communities that would eventually evolve into the maritime polis of Corinth. In contrast to Olympia or Delphi, it attracted few dedications of precious metals, such as tripods, and there was less of an emphasis on aristocratic display in the votive practice. In spite of the focus on drinking, Dedications of jewelry show that women were active in the worship. Terracotta bulls, animals symbolic of Poseidon, are present from the earliest years, though most of the bones found on the site belonged to sheep, goats, and pigs. The sacrificial area was covered with egg-sized stones that were used in the ritual. Most likely, the participants cast stones at the hapless victim in the moments before its throat was cut. In this way, everyone present joined in the act of slaughter, just as all shared in the feast. Constructed in the 7th century BC, the first temple of Poseidon at Isthmia was destroyed in a fire around 470 BC. No sign of a statue base was found in the cella, and the temple may have been used mainly as a storeroom for valuable dedications and supplies. Excavations have brought to light the charred remains of storage vessels for oil, chariots, and horse trappings from the cella, while many small valuables came from the area of the east porch, including a tiny golden bull. The exterior wall was coated with stucco and brightly painted with animals and geometric designs, while within the peristyle stood a lovely marble parahantarion, a water basin used for purification before entering the temple. Its orientalizing design features a base with four women standing on lions. Outside the temple was a monumental altar over 30 meters long. In 582 BC, the Isthmian Games were opened to Panhellenic participation in honor of Poseidon one of the most important Panhellenic festivals. A stadium was added, and the sanctuary continued to grow with the patronage of Corinth and the advantage of placement on a major road between Attica and the Peloponnese. When the archaic temple burned, it was replaced with an even larger Doric temple, which stood until late antiquity. Armor and weapons were a major category of dedication in this period, second only to those offered at Olympia, and were displayed so as to be visible from the road. A number of other gods were worshipped at the sanctuary, including Amphitrite, Poseidon's wife, and the child hero Palamon. 
The games, with their prize of a pine crown, later changed to wild celery, were said to have originated as funeral games instituted in his honor by Sisyphus. According to the legend, Palamon and his mother Inno were drowned in the sea, but Inno was transformed into a Nairid, while Palamon's body was carried to shore by a dolphin. Both mother and son were granted their prayers for safety. An interesting and unusual feature of the sanctuary in the classical period was the pair of underground, man-made caves designed to serve as dining rooms. One is located near the theater, while the other sits roughly between the theater and the Temple of Poseidon and is associated with a nearby altar. Each cave contained couches carved from the earth, and the theater cave also had two kitchen areas. These small rooms, each able to accommodate only five to six people, may have been used in the worship of Palamon or some other Chthonian power. Yet another early cult of Poseidon has been detected in the area around Corinth. It is the source of our earliest images of the god, because at Penteskuthia, a large number of painted terracotta panakis, or tablets, dating to the 7th and 6th centuries BC, were recovered from a votive dump. The location of the sanctuary itself has not been pinpointed, but much can be learned from the tablets. They record dedications to Lord, or Onox, Poseidon, and often to Amphitrite as well, demonstrating that this cult pairing, so prominent at Isthmia, was already well established in the Archaic period. Amphitrite sometimes receives dedications of her own, and is shown on one pinox with a small worshipper. The divine pair stand facing one another, or ride together in a chariot driven by Poseidon. Other panakis from this deposit demonstrate Poseidon's patronage, not only of seagoing merchants, but also of the potters and painters who help supply the cargo. Several panakis show ships, one loaded with pots, while at least 28 illustrate workers using kilns, and the tablets themselves may have been used as proofing pieces in the firing process. Most of the tablets seem to be dedications by men working in the ceramics industry. Often the donors made and or paint at the tablets themselves. As a deity of subterranean processes and energies, Poseidon was considered the right god to watch over kilns. As a marine deity and ruler of the Isthmus, he guarded a ceramic industry dependent on sea trade. Poseidon also was an important Amphictyonic deity, which means that his cult was the focus for many federations and leagues, whose shared interests were based sometimes on tribal affinity and sometimes on geographical proximity. The member cities of the Ionian League, for example, met annually at the Sanctuary of Poseidon Heliconios, at the Panionian, on the promontory of Mount Mycale. Very little is left of the sanctuary now, though the foundation of a huge 18-meter archaic altar has been detected. Also found at the site were a council chamber and a large cave, which must have played a role in the cult. The sanctuary probably never included a temple, yet it was an important symbol of political and cultural identity in the archaic period. The priests were supplied by the city of Priene, and later the meeting place was moved for safety to a spot near Ephesus. Though this cult was almost certainly brought to Asia Minor when the Ionians migrated to their new homes around the 10th century BC, there is debate over its source, closely tied to the question of Ionian origins. One school of thought derives Poseidon Heliconios from the city of Heliki in Achaea, often cited by ancient authors as the homeland of the Ionians. The Ionians of the classical period seem to have believed in this version, because in response to an oracle, they sent representatives to Heliki to ask for sacred objects, or aphidromata, from the ancestral altars. The Achaeans' refusal to permit this privilege is said to have caused the famous earthquake and tidal wave that destroyed and engulfed Heliki in 373 BC. 
It is certain that an ancient cult of Poseidon was present at Haliki because Homer mentions offerings to the gods from the people of Haliki and Agai. From a linguistic point of view, however, the word Heliconios is better derived from Helicon, the mountain in Boeotia. Though no Poseidon cult on Helicon is attested in historical times, the god had deep roots in Boeotia, as we have seen, and such a cult may have largely faded from memory. In any case, Homer is also aware of the worship of Poseidon Heliconios, for he speaks of the bellowing bulls sacrificed to the Heliconian lord. According to Strabo, some people in antiquity took this as a reference to the sacrifices at the Panionia, a festival to Poseidon Heliconios, where the participants read omens if the bull bellowed as it was struck down. On Delos, another Ionian religious center, a large sacrificial feast was held during the month of Poseidon, which fell during the stormy period of midwinter. The Posidea, or the Festival of Poseidon, seems to have been a regular feature of this month in many Ionian cities, both on the islands and on the coast of Asia Minor. Poseidon's epithets in these places vary, from Heliconios at Sinope, to Asphalios, or Steadfast, and Themalukos, or of Foundations, on Delos, to Phikios, or of Seaweed, on Mykonos. Some scholars connect the Winter Festival to Poseidon's function as a partner of Demeter in causing the fields to bear fruit and vegetation. Alternatively, the timing suggests an atonement of the god who causes storms at the season when his anger is most evident. Poseidon figures predominantly in the foundation lore of a few cities bordering the Saronic Gulf. In the region of Attica, a city was developing, and they were looking for a divinity as their patron and protector. This was typical in the ancient world in order to project an image of the city. In return, they would build a special temple to this divinity on their Acropolis, where they would worship him or her. The god or goddess would often represent the character that the citizens wanted to project, and so two gods quarreled over this new city. Athena and Poseidon. Both showed up, and the people didn't know what to do, so they had an agon, or contest. Everyone gathered on the Acropolis, and their king asked each god to show his people the greatest gift that they could each provide for them. Poseidon went first, and true to his earthquaking character, he took his mighty trident and slammed it into the ground, creating a fissure in which salt water came out. The people, though, weren't impressed, because they already lived by the sea. So then it was Athena's turn and she made an olive grow up out of the ground. This was a very useful thing since olives could be eaten, traded, or manufactured into oils, and the tree could be used for shade or lumber for homes and ships. So they chose her as their patron, and the city, of course, was called Athens. In his anger, Poseidon caused the region around the Athenian Acropolis to flood. The waters eventually receded when Zeus was later able to reconcile the Athenians with Poseidon by convincing them to grant honors, albeit secondary, to him as well. And so in the Acropolis, the Athenian people kept their word and they too built a temple to him. Athena's, of course, would be the larger Parthenon, whereas Poseidon's would be the smaller Erechtheon, which also was dedicated to their earlier kings and enclosed the crack in the ground from his trident. Right outside of it was where Athena caused the olive tree to spring up, and supposedly it's still in that very spot, since olive trees never die. So the city took on the name Athens and wanted to project the image of rational and craftsmanlike people, like Athena. They tried to reject Poseidon, the irrational and violent divinity, but it couldn't be fully suppressed, because civilized people still have animalistic tendencies inside of them, which became a big focus on Greek intellectual thought. 
The contest of Athena and Poseidon was the subject of the reliefs on the western pediment of the Parthenon, the first site that greeted an arriving visitor to the temple. The story of the conflict between Poseidon and Athena seems to be closely related to that of the early war between Athens and Eleusis, in which the earthborn Athenian king, Erechtheus, the protege of Athena, battled Eumolpus, the Eleusinian king, and a son of Poseidon. Athens was victorious when Erechtheus sacrificed his daughters to save the city, but he himself was struck by Poseidon's trident and hidden under the earth. In this case, the cult of Poseidon was superimposed on an early indigenous deity who was transformed into a hero killed by the gods and worshipped side by side with him as Poseidon Erechtheus. Furthermore, Poseidon was an important deity in archaic Eleusis, consistent with his close cult relations to Demeter. Eleusis possessed a cult of Poseidon Pater, or the father, and a priest of the Caracase served Poseidon Prospaterios, or of the approaches, and Themaliokos, or upholding the foundations. It is likely that all of these epithets have to do with Poseidon's role with Demeter as a fruit-bearing deity of water and flooding. Poseidon's role in Athenian cult, and with the relations between Athens and Eleusis, is also demonstrated in the festival of the Skira. It took place during the month of Scyrophorion, and its most prominent feature was the procession that led out of Athens to a place called Scyron, near Eleusis, in which the priestess of Athena and the priests of Poseidon Helios took part, under a ceremonial canopy called the Scyron, which was held up by the Etiobatidae. We discussed the festival of the Scyra in more detail in episode 62. Poseidon had other cultic sites in Attica, but the most important was a sanctuary at the promontory of Sunion which Homer called the Sacred Headland. Here was the location of Poseidon's most famous temple in all of Greece. This Doric temple, built around 440 BC during the Periclean building program, atop the foundations of an even older one, occupied a commanding position overlooking the Aegean Sea at the entrance to the Saronic Gulf. It was from here that Aegeus was said to have jumped when he saw Theseus' ship, with the black sail still hoisted. Sailors rounding the cape could look up at the Temple of Poseidon and say a prayer or make a vow to him for a safe passage through these treacherous waters. In ancient times, the temple was filled with plaques and trophies of various types given to the god by the grateful mariners. In myth, Jason suspended his enormous ship, the Argo, from the ceiling as a thanks offering for a safe voyage through the Black Sea. The Athenians held a quadrennial festival with boat races, and the vigor of the archaic cult is attested by at least 12 kuroi, or statues of idealized young men, found buried in a pit east of the temple. A recently discovered Mycenaean sanctuary on the peninsula of Methana, in the area of Troezen, in the Peloponnese, was unusual in that the finds included rare terracotta chariot groups, helmeted riders, and groups of oxen being driven or ridden. The absence of the female Cyan five figurines, typically found in Mycenaean shrines, together with this evidence, point to a male deity connected with horses, chariots, and bulls. And so Poseidon may have already been the foremost deity in the area around Troezen during the Bronze Age. In myth, though, at Troezen, Athena and Poseidon once again held a contest for patronage of the city, but this one ended with Poseidon being victorious. Troezen thus was unusual in honoring Poseidon as Poliokos, or protector of the city, and as Basileus, or king. He was an important ancestor, having fathered several of the city's heroes, including Theseus. The people made the trident an emblem on their coins, 
while the city itself once bore the name of Poseidonia. Troezen's cult of Poseidon, like that of Athens, was tied to its Ionic origins. The city fell under the sway of Argos at an early date and became increasingly Dorianized, yet it exported the worship of Poseidon to its colony of Halicarnassus and Caria. Outside the walls of Troezen was a sanctuary of Poseidon Phytalmios, or of the growth, relating to vegetation. According to legend, an angry Poseidon once inundated the crops of Troezen with seawater until he yielded to their prayers and sacrifices. Overlooking the shrine was a sanctuary of Demeter Thesmophoros, established by Poseidon's son Althepos. In recognition of his connection with agriculture, the god was offered a parkai, or the first fruits from the crops. This facet of Poseidon's personality is unexpected, yet the cult pairing of Poseidon and Demeter is widespread, present in Attica, Argos, Mykonos, and Arcadia, as we have mentioned. It is likely that Poseidon's flood was originally a freshwater inundation, because as a god of subterranean forces, he controlled springs and rivers. Having caused a drought at Argos by drying up the springs, he relented and revealed the sources at Lerna to the Danaid Amimoni. Aeschylus names earth-supporting Poseidon and the rivers, offspring of Tethys, as the deities who pour forth the waters that fructify the earth. Poseidon's waters nourish the plants, yet too much water just as surely destroys them, and so Poseidon's relationship with Demeter was both intimate and adversarial. Argos had a flood legend according to which Poseidon, angry when the land was awarded to Hera, caused an inundation and the Argive sanctuary of Poseidon Proskilstheus, or of surging water, was located beside that of Demeter. The Athenians too said that Poseidon had flooded the fruitful Thriacian plain, where Demeter had her sanctuary at Eleusis. On the next episode, now that we have discussed Poseidon and his various roles as a god of water, earthquakes, and horses, we turn our attention to Poseidon's niece, the one to whom he lost the infamous battle for the patronage of Athens. So join me next time on the History of Ancient Greece, Episode 64, The Protectress of Athens. Mm-hmm.